probably most of us here could use a little improvement in our relationships, what I call home improvement. Now, it might be a relationship with a friend. It might be a relationship with a parent. It might be a relationship with a child. It might be a relationship in your marriage. All of us could use a little improvement in our relationships. And listen to me. Listen, please listen. I want to encourage you to get this tape. I don't normally promote the tapes, but I'm convinced you probably won't be able to catch all that's going to be said today. And you probably know somebody else that you'd like to give this tape to because we're going to deal with a very, very important subject entitled Relationships That Last a Lifetime. Relationships That Last a Lifetime. I'm looking at daddies today who are maybe discouraged, maybe frustrated. You're working and, and trying to get out of debt and, and things may not be going just the way you want them to go. And yet, uh, maybe you say, I don't get any respect or I don't get any uh, appreciation for all that I do. And perhaps today you're feeling a little down. I'm looking today at some mamas and some mamas. By the way, hey, look, look up here. Do you know that mama's relationship, their relationship with the other people in their family largely is uh, affecting their self-worth? Bottom line is ladies uh, will not feel good unless their relationships are like they ought to be. Mamas know what I'm talking about. Ladies know what I'm talking about. And men, on the other hand, our, our self-worth, rather, is dependent largely upon our jobs, our work. And as long as things are going there, Eddie, things are going good. By the way, congratulations on your retirement, second retirement, praise the Lord. Anyway, I want to tell you something. Uh, there's some grandparents here today that maybe you're not as close to your grandchildren as you want to be. Today, we're going to talk about some steps, some ways that you can build better relationships that will last a lifetime. I'm convinced there's some children today that would really like to be a little closer with your, your uh, mom or with your dad or with your grandparents. If you'll listen carefully, uh, you will glean some truth from, I believe, the Word of God today. And there's some people here today that if you're uh, not one of the ones I listed, maybe you're married, but what about friends, friendships? People come and go. Don't you want to be closer to some of your friends? I believe we all do. And I tell you, mamas and daddies, you don't get enough credit for all that you do. It's not easy being a parent. And all the parents said, amen. But it's well worth it. So I want to encourage you, hang in there, continue the good work. I, I've told you before, speaking of that, about the lady who had four children. She named them Any, Many, Miney, and George. Somebody said, why did you name them Any, Many, Miney, and George? Why didn't you name them Any, Many, Miney, and Mo? And she said, because I didn't want no Mo, all right? I didn't want no Mo. I didn't want no Mo. Now, I don't know about you mamas, but I know this. The Lord has an answer for your problems, and you know you've got strained relationships, and God's going to give us some steps today that we can watch Him mend and reconcile some relationships that maybe need a little work, like all of us certainly do. And today, we're looking today at five ways, watch, five ways that you and I can build a relationship that lasts a lifetime. Let me give them to you, and don't worry about writing them down right now. You'll get them on the board. Number one, by speaking words of affirmation. Number two, by not only speaking words of affirmation, but we'll see by spending quality time with participation. Number three, by showering with gifts of celebration. Number four, uh, by showing care and consideration. And number five, by physical touch of sensation. I believe these are five ways that you and I can build a stronger relationships with our children and grandchildren and with our spouses indeed, to say the least. Today we're looking today at two particular areas. By the way, I really, when I was developing the message this week, I, I wanted to add friendships to this equation. However, I know the time would not permit me to add friendships with this as well. I was going to use another text to develop that. However, uh, understanding the time is of essence that we'll just develop too, but they'll apply to everybody. What do I mean too? Number one, this will apply to those who are in relationships, children and parents. And then number two, husbands and wives. 
but whether you're in fit in one of those categories or not, which all of us do, friends would also apply to what we want to say today. How many need, don't raise your hand, how many need a little improvement? Everybody needs a little improvement today. So we're, first of all, we're going to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 25. Turn to Genesis chapter 25. Improvements in our relationships. Home improvements, if you want to put it that way. Genesis chapter 25. In the book of Genesis chapter 25, we're going to be reading today about uh, a parent uh, who uh, we're going to see in a moment these five ways that we can build relationships that will last a lifetime. I want you to stop and think right now. Who is it in your family right now that you really would like to be closer to? Who is it in your family right now that maybe there's some things you can't control and there's some people you can't control? But I believe the Lord is going to use these five principles in your life to help us build stronger relationships with our loved ones. And first of all, we're going to look here in the book of Genesis chapter 25 and under the heading of parents and children. And then, for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize uh, the book of Ruth, or at least several chapters in the book of Ruth. Why? To focus on husbands and wives. All right? Here in the book of Genesis, notice on the board, speaking words of affirmation, spending quality time with participation, showering with gifts of celebration, showing care and consideration, physical touch of sensation. And I've seen the Lord use these principles not only in, in a number of people's lives. For example, I was at a church not long ago. It was up near the Chattanooga line up in Tennessee. And I remember sharing a message similar to a relation to the family. A man in the congregation, the next night we gathered for prayer. The men did. He spoke up and he said, Pastor, I just want to tell you, I hadn't talked with my daughter in months and months. But I followed up on what God showed me that I needed to follow up. And he said, my daughter and I are going to get together this week and we're going to have lunch together, something we hadn't done in years. And I said, praise the Lord, I rejoice with you. I'm telling you, God will honor his word in your life today. Don't let the enemy rob you of what God wants to do. Genesis chapter 25, and here in this text, you're well aware of the fact, let me give you back, background briefly and then we'll launch right into the text. Here, Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac does not have a wife, so what does Abraham do? He sends out his servant to find, listen, a wife for his son. How many would like for your dad to pick out a wife for you? That's what happened in the Old Testament. The dad picked out a wife for the son. In this case, Abraham sent out his son, Eliezer. And Eliezer found a wife for Isaac. Do you remember her name? I said, do you remember her name? What was her name? Her name was Rebecca. Why did God choose her? Why did Abraham's servant choose her? I'll tell you why. Because she was willing to go the extra mile. Thank God for women that are willing to go the extra mile. That's a good place to say amen, man. Uh, I'm trying to help you here. Anyway, and so here is Rebecca, and she marries Isaac. Now, the problem is they don't have any children. Isaac's well up in age. You know how old he is? He's 60 years old. I said 60 years old. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and tells him he's going to have a family. In fact, God comes to Rebecca, the mama, and says this. It's a prophetic passage indeed. There are twins in your womb. One being the elder is going to serve the younger. And the younger, of course, uh, will uh, uh, be the one to receive the blessing. This happens in Genesis 25. That's important and well worth noting because we'll see some unfolding of this family relationship in the further chapters. I say it again in case you miss, in case your mind's a little foggy this morning. Uh, that God told Rebecca that her womb contained two individuals, two uh, babies. And by the way, I believe personally, I'm not going to elaborate on it. You can do your own homework on it. But I challenge you to read the Bible and you'll find that one of the boys, the oldest, named Esau, you can trace his descendants as of today, which would be the modern day Palestinians. Now, again, I'm not going to go through the text. You can do a study for yourself. However, I will say this, the second boy, namely Jacob, his descendants would be that of his father Isaac and grandfather Abraham, which would we would call the nation of Israel today. Now, we pick up in the text because we're going to find some interesting thoughts about parents' and children's relationship. 
How can we build relationships that will last a lifetime? By the way, I said that uh, Isaac was 60. That lets you know his sons were not little babies, uh, you know, and, and we'll find later they're older men in their 40s as the text progresses. But right now, we're going back to Genesis 25. Now, if you'd like to stand to read the wonderful Word of God, you can right now. I'm skipping down to verse number 23, what I just said. And the Lord said, Genesis 25, And the Lord said unto her, to Rebekah, Two nations are in thy womb, and the two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. I just mentioned that a minute ago. And when her days were to be delivered, verse 24 of chapter 25, and when her days were to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau, or little red, if you will. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took a hold of Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Jacob's name, of course, means supplanter or deceiver or trickster. And yet Jacob had to have a name change, which he does eventually if we progress to the text, which we will not today, but you're well aware of what happens to Jacob. Now, and look at verse 27. Note it, please. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. Esau was an outdoorsman and a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, a uh, dwelling in tents. He was a homebody, if you will. He was a quiet individual is the indication of what that reference is. Now look at verse 28. Parents, pay attention, please. And children, pay attention, please. Notice verse 28. And Isaac loved Esau. Say that with me. And Isaac, one more time. Isaac loved Esau, why? Because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Rebekah loved Jacob. Say that with me. Rebekah loved Jacob. And uh, then this is the word of the Lord. May God bless it. Hold your thoughts right there. Father, I thank you now for, uh, oh God, that you are the key that unlocks the door. To help us to build stronger, meaningful, loving, and giving relationships. I pray for every mother here today, every daddy here today, every son, every daughter here today, every husband, every wife here today. Oh, blessed God, we're standing in need for healing and for help and hope because our God, the, the enemy, is coming in like a flood. And we ask now for your revelation, your understanding, and your illumination. Open our eyes and hearts. And then quicken our spirits, dear God, that there might be a transformation because of your resurrection power. We recognize, Lord, without you, we're absolutely destined for failure. But, oh, I thank you, Jesus, that you promised you would not leave us alone. You'd send your spirit. And I pray for grandparents today. And, and Lord, I know that every family here has got, uh, Lord, issues that we're going through in our families. And we thank you, God, that you're going to do a great work for your glory today. And we say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving our sins. I pray for fresh cleansing in my own heart and that you would be high and lifted up today. Oh, God, help us not only hear the word, but do the word. And we trust you when all said and done to get the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. We're talking today on the subject of how in the world can we build better relationships. Notice number one. The first way is what um, we reference as speaking words of affirmation. Listen to me. Listen to me. Y'all look up here a moment. Listen. When's the last time you spoke words of affirmation to your children, to your grandchildren? I know it's not easy because of all the negative things we're going through these days. When's the last time you spoke a word of affirmation to your husband, to your wife? Oh, I'm telling you, words do matter. Oh, yes, they do. And so here is the deal. In this particular text, we find out that there was a daddy by the name of Isaac. Now, Isaac loved who? Isaac loved who? Isaac loved Esau. Note that. I didn't write the Bible. Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote it. But that's very significant to me. And, and I'm not trying to read into the text, but it certainly seems to infer in the text that Isaac loved 
Esau, and not only that, but Isaac uh, loved him because he was a man who loved to hunt, and Isaac loved to eat victuals, namely, in this case, the wild game that uh, Isaac uh, and uh, his son Esau would kill in the field. Now, here's what I want you to note with me uh, again. Look back at the text, because I want you to see it. I don't want you to just take my word for it. Look at this. In verse 27, the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents, and Isaac loved Esau. They were twins now. Keep in mind, Esau was the elder, and, and, and yet Jacob was the younger because he did eat. Why did Isaac love Esau? Look at verse 28. Because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Some have said, and at least in my mind's eye, I imagine Jacob was probably, it sounds like, more of a mama's boy, whereas Esau was probably more of a daddy's boy. Now, I'm not saying his daddy didn't love uh, Jacob, and I didn't say that. I'm just saying what we have right now in the text is we got a daddy that loves his son, and therefore I believe, no doubt, if I can uh, venture to say, which I don't think would be incorrect, probably his daddy began to speak words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Say that with me. Words of affirmation. One more time. That's very important that we stop being so negative. Y'all look up here. Negative, negative, negative. Isn't it wonderful that we don't have to be negative? And this whole world is a negative world. I know you can think of bad things going on. I understand we can all be negative about this and that. But that's hindering us from our relationship. Here, Isaac is no doubt speaking words of affirmation. He loved Esau, and he loved him because he uh, brought in some venison, and he loved to, to eat, all right? Praise the Lord for that. Now, uh, I'm going to share some things that you don't have to agree with me on them. It's my own personal experience, and based on uh, almost 30 years here being pastor and uh, uh, serving the Lord, that some things I've observed, counseling, talking with parents and children and husbands and wives and different people throughout the, like I said, this week even and throughout the years. Here's what I note about this. In my mind's eye, probably Jacob needed a word of affirmation from his father. And I believe every boy, every boy needs uh, to identify. Can you hear me? Can, every boy needs to identify with a masculine figure. And what we're seeing today in our culture, unfortunately, in my personal opinion, is that young boys and young men uh, do not have the proper masculine identity in their life. Maybe of them have a father who's not there or a grandfather who's not there or no male figure in their life. Now, that doesn't mean, hear me now, that doesn't mean that, uh, that uh, single parents, that ladies who raise their boys, that all these boys are going to turn out that way. That doesn't mean that. But it does mean this. A boy needs to identify with a man, a masculine figure. Why? Words of affirmation. Daddies, in case you're wondering what I'm saying, I'm saying you better affirm your sons. They need affirmation. Oh, yes, they need to be affirmed and, uh, and built up and let them know that uh, you're their role model. You're the one that sets the precedence for their future and how they relate to ladies and how they relate to their mother and how they relate to other men, accepting their masculinity. Today, not only, listen to me, beloved, uh, I'm not bashing the LGBTQ community, but I'm saying this. It's been my personal observation that many of the young men and ladies, uh, there seems to be a problem here. There seems to be an identity crisis that, in a, that does not enable them to connect oftentimes. And consequently, there is the uh, attraction to be accepted of males or attraction to be accepted of females, whichever the case may be. And yet uh, the strongholds can be broken. I believe these are generational curses and things that are passed down from one generation to another. I don't have time to go into all the detail about what I'm trying to share, but hopefully you get the gist of what I'm trying to share. That men and young men need to, again, uh, have a role model. I remember, for example, and by the way, I believe God calls all men everywhere to repent in case there's some of you here sitting here with your guns loaded because Pastor Randy's talking about a subject 
subject. And nowadays it's so sensitive that preachers aren't saying anything about it. God help us not to be so uh, sensitive about the subject. I love anybody. I'm not bashing anybody that's in that lifestyle. I want to tell you God calls all men everywhere to repent. Whether you're in a heterosexual relationship or in a homosexual relationship. It doesn't matter. But I'm just simply noting here is a need. And therefore this can be overcome. This can be, uh, oh yes, transcended and broken. This stronghold can be broken. Maybe you know right now some young boys that need to identify with a masculine figure. Maybe you know someone right now, even a young girl, that needs a mother in their life to identify with a feminine figure in their life. I don't know what the case may be, but I know this. When I was 13 years old, my parents were divorced. Now listen, we can't blame everything on our parents and grandparents. Hear me, read my lips. We are responsible for our choices. So I'm not blaming parents or grandparents. I'm saying this. It seems to be a contributing factor, however, that this seems to uh, give uh, some... uh, Uh, some ground, if you will, to gravitate toward that particular lifestyle. And if you do a lot of counseling and you're around in the community and read on this matter, you think, I think, will come to the same conclusion. I remember, as I was saying, when I was 13 years old, my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom. I didn't get to see my dad a lot. But I got to go to church. And I remember going to church. Listen to me, church family. I got to go to church. And you know what I noticed at the church? I noticed men. I noticed we'd do things with men. And I noticed that it seemed to help me to identify at that time in my life. My dad was uh, involved in my life, but not as much as I would have liked to at the time. Yet, uh, you know, I couldn't help what was going on. I'm saying this, that thank God there can be breakthroughs and there can be today some healing in your life. Yes, there can. A words of affirmation from a parent. Parents, are we affirming our children? I'm not just talking about five-year-olds, three-year-olds, two-year-olds. I'm talking about 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and even more so, they need it. Our children need it. Our grandchildren need affirmation. And today, maybe we need to get with God and say, God, change my heart. The Lord showed me where I have uh, not intentionally but unintentionally uh, left this undone. That's the purpose of the message. I'm telling you, God's going to use this. We come to church and our minds on other things, but God is trying to help us today, and the Lord is going to do that for His glory. Now, fast forward for a moment, would you? Fast forward. How does this relate to a husband and wife? But before we fast forward, let me note this. Notice this. Uh, as I've already mentioned, uh, Esau, what was the cause of the problems? The boys grew and Esau was a cunning hunter, man of the field. Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, my purpose today is not to go into a theological argument or a theological dissertation about what was going on during that time. Rather, my point today in the message is to help us to build stronger relationships in our family. So try to let your mind not wander and think about, you know, the ramifications of all of this stuff. Just get the basic gist of what God is saying. Words of affirmation are important. And the church said, thank you. Uh, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Notice the two boys grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter and a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among tents. Isaac, who was a taste for a wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. All we're saying is repeating what we just said. Now, how does this relate? Fast forward. I know it's hard for us to click off that for a moment. Click that off. Now, not only are we going to talk about parents and children, but we're going to talk about husbands and wives. Husbands and wives, speaking words of affirmation. Y'all listen to me now. Be honest. Don't lie. We're in church. Amen. Don't lie. We're in church. Have you spoken words of affirmation lately? Have you told your husband you, you appreciate him? Men want to be respected. Say that again. Say that with me. Men want to be respected. I know it's hard to wake up this early in the morning. I know it's cool this morning. And you'll probably, some of this will sink in as the day goes on. That's why I'm saying you need to get the tape. You need to listen over again. Men want to be respected. Paul alluded to that in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, wives, see that she reverence her husband. I know that cut some of you off right there, but listen to me. And husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. That's Ephesians 5, verse 25. Ephesians 5, verse 33. And the key is being spirit-filled. 
Now, I'm trying to share as much as I can in the lot of time I've got this morning. How can husbands and wives speak words of affirmation? I want to go back to the book of Ruth. Now, you will not have time to look at it because of time. Can I summarize for you for the sake of time? You're very familiar with the book of Ruth. I am as well. Somewhat, at any rate, here's a family, Elimelech, Naomi, and her two boys. Because of a famine in Bethlehem, they make their way over to a place called Moab. In Moab, they meet a little cute little maid uh, who is named, uh, you know, Ruth, all right? Ruth was a maid in Moab, and yet Ruth intermarries in this family, Naomi, Elimelech, and her two boys. Fast forward, 10 years pass by, uh, the father dies, Elimelech, that is the father-in-law of Ruth, and the two boys die. Who? The husband of Ruth. Now, all of a sudden, you got Ruth, you got another daughter-in-law and a sister-in-law, if you will. Ruth's sister-in-law's name was Orpah, and you got Naomi, three ladies. Naomi says, I'm going back to Bethlehem. The famine is over. You can go with me if you want to, or you can stay here. Ruth made that great affirmation of faith. She said, thy people should be my people, thy God should be my God. Where you dwell, I'll dwell. Where you die, I will die. I believe she saw a difference in her mother-in-law, Naomi. Wow, wait a minute. Wow, she was going through a crisis in her life. Her husband died. How many know that Christians aren't exempt from troubles and trials? Amen. How many know that uh, bad things sometimes happen uh, to God's people? Oh, yes, but God said he'll work it out for our good. Hallelujah. And so here is Ruth, and she says, I'm going with you. I said all that to say this. She ends up over there in Bethlehem, Ruth does. She's working in a field. She just happened to land on whose field? The bachelor from Boaz, uh, the bachelor named Boaz from Bethlehem. And here we got a picture. Words of affirmation. God help us these days to affirm each other. Yes, you want to build stronger relationships, learning to speak words of affirmation in a negative world, in a critical world, in a judgmental world. Why is it we're so judgmental? Why is it the ones that we love most we criticize most? Why is it uh, that the ones we, uh, we have uh, a heart for and they're in our own family that we don't speak words of affirmation? Something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. They need it. We need it. Nobody's a perfect parent. By the way, I tell you, God had two children, Adam and Eve, and they did not even listen to him. What makes you think that your children and my children are going to be perfect? How many know that we don't have perfect children and we don't have perfect grandchildren? Hello. Nor is there a perfect marriage. However, these are some God-given principles that I think will build a stronger relationship. I'm convinced the ladies here today are saying, preach on. The men are saying, wait a minute, uh, I, I, I need it too. But, but the ladies, I guarantee you, they're on their edge of the seat saying, yes, uh, this has really been on my mind for a while. It's been bothering me for a while. Bottom line is Ruth, in this case, ends up in Boaz's field. And guess what happens? Quickly, here's what happens. Boaz speaks words of affirmation. They're not married yet, but they're destined to be married. What does Boaz say? He says this, Ruth shows up on his field. Boaz had never met the young lady, but he sees her from a distance. He says, who's that cute little girl over there? In my mind's eye, I imagine that's what he might have said. And they said, that's Ruth. You know that little Moabite maid. You know, and he said, no, I don't know. Yeah, you do. You know Naomi. You remember Elimelech? He's one of your nearest kinsmen. Oh, okay, now I know who you're talking about. Well, what happened to her? Why is she up here, says Boaz. Bottom line is he says, well, uh, I need to talk with her. Would you tell her to come up here for a moment? She comes up there. You know what he says to her? He says, hey, my name's Boaz. <laughs> I imagine he said that. He, she probably said this. I know he said this. He said, don't worry about going in any other field to glean. Mine is yours. What I've got is yours. That's what he said in essence. Words of affirmation. You know what else he did? He said, it's hot and it's dry. Here's a drink of water. Take a little drink of water. Words of affirmation. And then, not only that, but he said, Ruth, don't worry about my men. They're not going to bother you. You can glean all you want. Words of affirmation. Yes, words of affirmation. I heard about one married family that was married over 15 years, one husband and wife, and they were celebrating their 50th year anniversary, and the wife whispered in her husband's ear, I sure am proud of you. He said, what would you say? She said, I sure am proud of you. He said, what would you say? She said, I sure am proud of you. He looked at her and said, well, I'm tired of you too, all right? He misunderstood a little bit. But anyway, like we misunderstand a little bit, but words of affirmation, have you got it down? Have you got it down? Have you got it down? Well, good, because we're moving to the second 
way that we can influence our family. And it's not only about words of affirmation, but number two, spending quality time with participation. You want to make a difference in your loved ones? You want to be closer to your family? You want to be closer to your uh, loved ones and friends? I'll tell you how to do it. Here's how to do it. Spend quality time with participation. That's right. Notice, I can, uh, again, conclude from the text of Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25, verse 27, 28. You know what I derive from that text about, I'm going back to parents and children, all right? I told you we're going to switch from parents to children and husbands and wives. It's all inclusive in the message. I really wanted to go to friendships, but because of time, we cannot do it at this present time. But I believe God's going to help us today. I do. I believe God's going to bring some healing today. I believe if you follow through on what God tells you today, you're going to find the Lord is going to bless your relationships, and I'll give him glory and praise. Hallelujah. And the church said, amen. Parents and children. Now, here's what I conclude from this particular text. Uh, spending quality time with participation. How can I have relationships that last a lifetime? You don't have to just be existing. You, you don't have to just be kind of, you know, just going along the flow. I know you can't change your loved ones, but I'm telling you, these uh, principles will work in our relationship if we work them. Now, the thing of spending quality time. The Bible doesn't say that Isaac, y'all look up here now, listen, please listen, because I can tell you, people are really, really needing. By the way, in case you're wondering, stronger relationships will affect the church. Your marriage becomes stronger. It strengthens the church. I can't hear you. I know you're shutting down on me. And not only that, but stronger relationships helps this nation of ours. And if we need, ever needed some help in America, it's today. And so this is widespread what I'm sharing today, not just something that's non-applicable. All right? So here, here's what I'm saying. Probably, no doubt, Isaac probably spent quality time with Esau. Why? He loved him. We read the text. He loved him. And he loved the venison that he brought. Man, my mind's eye. I won't be dogmatic about it, but I imagine Esau and uh, his daddy, Isaac. Isaac probably said, son, I've got you something that I want you to practice with. It's a bow and arrow. I'm going to take you out there and show you how to practice this bow and arrow. Uh, and see, the daddy, he had a, a vision, no doubt. And uh, whether he did or not, I know that he was a hunter of the field. Well, how do you think he became a hunter of the field? How do you think that? No doubt, Isaac probably spent some time with his son Esau. And so spending that quality time now uh, is very important. Now let me finish the sentence and let me say this. I know what you're thinking today. You say, but bless God, I don't have quality time. I know you got to make time. Hello? you got to make time. We have time for everything else. It may not be quantity time. Hear me. It may not be quantity time, but whatever time we've got to spend, we've got to make the best of it. Don't worry about what you can't do. Don't worry about what you don't have. Just do what you can. Do what you can. Do what you can. Do what you can. Let's say that together. Do what you can, all right? Quality time. So, what about this in a marriage? I'll tell you what, in a marriage, relationships last longer because two people made a choice to keep it. Fight for it and work for it. Any relationship's going to take some work. Any relationship is going to be under the attack of the enemy. Any relationship's going to take going the extra mile. Y'all listen, any relationship is going to involve letting go of some things, forgiving. You know, the two hardest words to say in a relationship are what? I'm, what, two hardest words to say in a relationship, I'm, yeah, you said it, I'm sorry. Heard about one old boy that said to his wife, he said, I'm sorry. She said, I know, I just didn't see it when we got married. <laughs> just kidding. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry. When's the last time you said you're sorry? You don't have to be Mr. Right all the time. You don't have to be Mrs. Right all the time. We blow it at times. We mess up at times. We ought to forgive each other, amen? Don't beat each other over the head because of something they said or something they did. Be mad for days. God help us. Be mad for days. Don't speak with each other and just tolerate. I'm telling you, God wants to give us a little heaven in our home. Not perfection, mind you, but unconditional love and forgiveness and etc. Now, question. How did Ruth and uh, her uh, fiancé 
uh, Boaz spent quality time together. I'll tell you how they did. You can check it out. The book of Ruth chapter number 2. Here's what happened. After Boaz speaks these words of affirmation, by the way, there was a lot of maids in Bethlehem that would love to have gotten together with Boaz. Why? He was a wealthy man. He was a godly man. By the way, he was the son of Rahab. Hello? And I think that's why he showed much grace. You've been forgiven a lot. You love much. By the way, in case I forget to say, all of these are attributes of our God and Father. The, uh, the spending, uh, speaking words of affirmation. The Lord tells us we're accepted and beloved. The Lord tells us he's chosen us before the foundation of the world. Uh, God the Father through uh, God the Holy Spirit uh, says through Paul that uh, we've been made accepted and beloved. Words of affirmation. Hallelujah. Man, I love that. God the Father loves us. God the Father saved us. God the Father has uh, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. Man, these are words of affirmation. That's why I love the Lord and that's why I love my Bible is because it speaks words of affirmation in my life in a negative world. And so not only that, but God the Father wants to spend some quality time with us. What about the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'll send my Spirit. He'll be with you, in you, and upon you. John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. He wants to spend time, quality time with us. Quality time with us. I'm going back to what I said a moment ago. And so, you know what, uh, you know what uh, Boaz and Ruth did? I'll tell you what they did. Here's what they did. Spending quality time together. Boaz says to Ruth, he says, you know, after he affirms her, he says, by the way, I've got a lunch spread prepared for you. Come on, sit down, let's eat. What were they doing? They were spending quality time together. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that spending quality time. Y'all listen to me now. I talk with parents uh, quite often and grandparents and they say, well, you know, my children are doing this and children are doing this and they're not doing this and, and this is going on and, and I can't help this. And that's the first thing I ask them. Are you spending any time with them? Are you doing anything with them? Well, why don't you try to make something happen? Take them and find out what they like to do and do it. Hear me? Find out what they like to do and do it. As long as it's not immoral or ungodly, do it. Whether you want to do it or not. The point is you're spending quality time. And you're influencing them. I said influencing them by spending quality time. If you don't spend any time with them, chances are you're not going to have any influence in their life. You know that to be true. And I know that to be true. And so uh, Boaz and Ruth, they're spending time together, no doubt. And uh, so quality time. Now, let's fast forward because there's a third way to have relationships that last a lifetime. Number one is what? Speaking words of affirmation. Number two is what? Spending quality time with participation. Number three is what? Showering with gifts of celebration. Showering with gifts of celebration. There's some relationships right now that I'm convinced that God wants to do a healing. Showering with gifts of celebration. Now, if we fast forward to Genesis chapter 27, turn to Genesis 27. Turn to Genesis chapter 27. You say, but pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, pray. Would you bless God? That's the first thing you ought to do. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. And children, pray for your daddy. Are you praying for him? Are you praying for your mama? Are you telling children you can affirm your parents too? When's the last time you told them thank you for all they do? I'm telling you, they like, might faint. You might have to lift, uh, pick them up off the ground. But it will help. It will work, I guarantee you. Showering with gifts of celebration. Can I summarize what's going on in this parent-children? Showering with gifts of celebration. Y'all listen to me now. I know you can't, money doesn't buy everything. How many agree with that? Money does not buy everything. We can't buy our relationship. It does help to shower with gifts of celebration. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not talking about extravagancy here. I'm talking about appreciation here. And I guarantee you, most women sitting here right here today, you women, see if you agree with me, most women here today would appreciate every once in a while some kind of gift. Can I get a witness? I'm trying to help you women. Y'all aren't speaking, so I'm trying to help you. I guarantee you this is, uh, you, you, you didn't want to say it because you're, you're getting, in anyway, trouble. Hey, here is this showering with gifts of celebration. You know what's happening? In Genesis chapter 27, uh, oh, Isaac, he's up in age now. His eyesight is, is not good. His hearing is not good. Oh, I know about all that. How many know what I'm talking about? His eyesight isn't good. His hearing isn't good. And his strength isn't all that much. He's literally... He's going downhill. 
And as I mentioned to you, the boys at this time are 40 years old. They're not little children, five and six, in case you're wondering. They're 40 years old. The dad is uh, uh, weak with his eyesight and his hearing. And by the way, I did hear about a man that was standing in front of a mirror. He was flexing his muscles, and his wife walked into the bathroom. He uh, had a towel around him, and he said, Man, I used to have bulging biceps. I used to have a solid, rock-solid stomach, and I used to be just muscle-bound. His wife spoke up and said, you got to admit, there's not anything wrong with your eyesight, all right? <laughs> not now. I, I, I tell you, that might not have gone over too good. But anyway, hey, look, his eyesight was bad. His hearing is not good. And he's fixing to give a blessing. Hello, a blessing. You know the story. Jacob and Esau are in line for the blessing. Really, Esau being the oldest, however, God had already predetermined that the younger was going to get the blessing. But that's another uh, account in itself. At any rate, Rebecca hears her daddy, or rather her husband, say to the daddy uh, of Esau for Esau to go out and get some wild venison. Then he was going to bless him. And, uh, and so she says to Jacob, no, son, I want you to go. You know the story. And, and, so, and so Jacob goes, and daddy can't hear and see very good. This, this is really Jacob. He's, he's kind of testing the water. And, and so she puts some hair on his uh, arms because, uh, after all, Esau was a hairy man. And so the next thing you know, uh, is this Esau? Jacob lied about it. Now, God had already ordained that he should be the one to uh, elder to serve the younger. I don't think he went about it perhaps the right way, but at any rate, that's another discussion in itself. The point is that, that uh, Jacob uh, uh, got the blessing instead of Esau, and it was showering with gifts of blessing. Oh, yes, he wanted to be a blessing. Y'all listen to me. Dads, please hear me. When's the last time you spoke a blessing to your children? When's the last time, grandparents, you spoke a blessing to your grandchildren? When? Now, I know this may seem a little awkward for us, but trust me, there is blessings. There are, there's the releasing of God's affirmation in your family. And so, in this case, Isaac blessed Jacob. He was showering with gifts of celebration. I believe a wise daddy will get his house in order. I believe a wise mama will get her house in order. I'm with have the privilege of being with people like Brother Charlton and with other people that have gone on to be with the Lord. I'm looking around the room, and many of your loved ones have had the privilege of being with the Tommy Keenum, for example, Sonny Prince, for example, Lorene Anglin, for example, and uh, others of uh, our church family had the privilege of being with Dawn, for example, and uh, Brother Loyal, for example, and Jenny Mason, for example, and others, some of our loved ones, for example. And uh, here's, here's what I'm trying to say is uh, getting your house in order is very important. There's some things you can't control. But men have a tendency to put off these kind of hard decisions. What is going to happen to me after I'm gone? What, what, what are my goals for my family? Maybe today God's speaking to you about that. Well, at any rate, here is old uh, Isaac, and he, he gives the blessing to Jacob, showering with gifts of celebration. Well, let's go back to Boaz and with Ruth. You know what happens to them, husbands and wives? Hey, as I said, uh, you know, giving and uh, is some of a part of building stronger relationships. Not only giving of your time, but giving of certain things. You, you know your loved ones, and, and you can bless them in certain ways. In this case, look at this. Look at this. You know who this is? This is Boaz. This is Ruth. You know what Boaz did? He showered with gifts. They weren't even married, but he was showering with gifts. I hope he did it after they got married. Somebody say amen. <laughs> anyway, he showered with gifts. You know what he gave her? Three to five pounds of barley. You know how long that would last? I, I'm saying three to five pounds, excuse me. It was a bushels of uh, barley, and it would last for three to five days. He was giving her food, three to five days of food. He didn't have to do it. He just did it. He just wanted to be a blessing. Now, keep in mind, at the time, he, I don't know if he you know, projected that he would get married to her or not. It seemed like it all was put together later after this, but he was a blessing. He showered her with blessings and gifts of celebration. Tell me, are you thinking about that now? And uh, Ruth goes home. You know what she says to her mother-in-law? Naomi, she's got, she's been out in the field. She's hot and sweaty. She's been working all day. And Naomi, I can hear her say, what in the world you got? I've got, I've got some barley grain. Where'd you get that from? You know that Boaz? You know the man, the bachelor there in Bethlehem? He gave it. Boaz, says Naomi, that is the nearest of our kin. Oh, her wheels got to turning. I know what, I, I, I know what you need to do. I know what you need to do. Then we'll continue on in the story in a moment. But the point is, how can we build stronger relationships? Relationships that last a lifetime. 
Here's one way. It's not only by speaking words of affirmation, spending quality time with participation, but also showering with gifts of celebration. I want to tell you something else. Then number four, by showing care and consideration. Care and consideration. You want your relationships to be built stronger? Notice in Genesis chapter 27, verse 1. Turn over to Genesis 27, verse 1. Look at it. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim, so that he could not see. He called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, he said, Hear him. He said unto him, Behold, here am I. So he goes on to talk a little bit about showing that care and consideration. And so not only with parents and children, by the way, we take care of the children, our parents rather take care of us when we're younger and uh, we can do our part in take care of them when they get older. Somebody say amen, amen and amen. Oh yes. So care and consideration. And let me just fast forward here for a moment. I don't, my time is about to get up on me, so I want to fast forward and tell you this. Care and consideration. And so Jacob is getting, uh, uh, well, rather Isaac is getting his house in order. That's, he's showing care and consideration. Not only that, but Rebecca's showing care and consideration, and the boys are showing care and consideration, all right? Esau, I say boys, they're men at this time. What about husband and wife? What about Ruth and Boaz showing care and consideration? Making relationships work. The bless effect. Are you willing to bless Genesis 27, are you willing to bless your family? I spent some time this week, case in point, at the hospital. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then yesterday afternoon last night at Grady Hospital in Atlanta. Well, guess who was there? Uh, Cora Richardson. And guess who else was there? Her son, Ken. He's been at the hospital just about every time I've been there. And, uh, and so, anyway, uh, care and consideration. In addition to going by and visiting with Cora over in Grady Hospital, I dropped by the Atlanta Medical Center. And we're talking about not only with husbands and wives, but with parents and children as well. And uh, husbands and wives. As I stopped by Atlanta Medical Center, guess who was there? Ann Howard. Guess what? Last Saturday night, I stood in the yard of Russell Howard and Ann Howard, and we prayed for not knowing Ann's condition and really where she was at at the time, we prayed uh, for her and the situation. I'm saying that to say this. Russell went up there Saturday night. He spent the night in a chair Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night. And then they came home from the hospital. Now, Kenneth can tell you from firsthand information, he was there with Marcia uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, while she was in ICU, and I think Thursday she got moved out of her room. How many know that it's not easy to sleep in a chair at a hospital? You get what I'm saying, don't you? You get what I'm saying. We do what we have to do, showing care and consideration. Man, that, that's the blessing. Why? Russell's 80 years old, hello. 80 years old, sleeping at the hospital. <laughs> and when well, I say sleeping, he's not really sleeping. He's just trying to sleep, amen? But anyway, care and consideration. You want to build stronger relationships? Make your relationship work. Work it. And then last but not least, not only, let's review a moment, number one, if I'm going to, you're going to have relationships that last a lifetime, number one, speaking words of what? Number two, spending quality time with what? Number three, showering with gifts of what? Number four, showing care and what? Consideration. Number five, by physical touch of sensation. And here we find in the book of Genesis chapter 25 and really verse 27 and 28, and also you can find in the book of, Je book of Genesis, note this verse, chapter 27, look at verse 26, chapter 27, verse 26, chapter 27 of Genesis. His father Isaac said unto him, uh, he thought it was Esau, but it was Jacob. He said, come now and kiss me, my son. That's physical affection, hello. You say, but our family never did do that. Well, start, hello. Start. You say, my family is not real physical and uh, affectionate. I understand there's certain families that are not, but I tell you, it, it will do, you might want to step over the line and say, well, bless God, we're going to start uh, loving each other and showing physical affection or somehow, I, you know, however the Lord leads you, but I'm telling you, children need physical affection. I'm talking about in the right way, love and affection and uh, touch of sensation. Here it is, Ruth and and her, her, her fixing to be husband Boaz, I, I'm telling you what happened with this situation. 
uh, they get ready, and uh, Ruth, next thing you know, she's laying at the feet of Boaz, and, and they, uh, Boaz says, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm kin to you, but I'm not nearest to kin. I'll tell you what, in the morning, I'll show up at the courthouse, and the nearest to kin, he'll be there. Right and early that morning, he showed up at the courthouse. Here comes that old boy that's really the nearest of kin because he was closer to Elimelech than Boaz was. And I can hear old Boaz say, hey, how you doing? Doing fine. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Hey, let me ask you a question. You remember that old boy named Elimelech? Yeah, I remember Elimelech. I'm kin to him. I know you're kin to him. You know he passed away, don't you? Yep, I know he passed away. But, but you know, he has a family. Naomi's still around. Yeah, I've heard about her being around. And by the way, uh, Naomi, they've got some land and stuff. You, you're, the, you're the nearest of kin. Do you want to redeem that land? It's yours if you want it. Well, I, would, I think I kind of would like it. Well, uh, Boaz said, but I forgot to tell you, uh, there's a little old Moabite maid. She comes with a package deal. And the old boy says, uh-uh, I don't, I don't need another woman in my life right now. I've got my own family, and I'm paraphrasing. And he says, uh, by the way, they've got their inheritance, and I just, uh, no thank you. Boaz says he takes off his shoe, you know, to make that transaction. That was during the Old Testament customs. He took off his shoe, that is, the nearest to Kenge, and exchanged it to Boaz. Bottom line was uh, Boaz became the nearest of kinsman redeemer. What happened next? Boaz and Ruth got married, sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes little old Obed in a baby carriage, and then comes Jesse in a baby carriage, and then comes David out of the genealogical line of our Lord Jesus Christ in a baby carriage. Physical touch of sensation. Now question. Fathers, you're going to bless your children today, right here, right now. Maybe they're not here, but you can speak a blessing over them right now. Maybe they are here. You might want to reach out and say, I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. You might want to take that opportunity when you get home to speak a blessing over them. Have you done that? Have you ever done that? Your children will be blessed by it. Doesn't matter if it's a girl or a boy. I'm challenging all of us as uh, fathers, speak a blessing over your children. God's delegated that authority. Oh, yeah, they'll be blessed because of it. Physical touch of sensation, Boaz and Ruth. They uh, have a wonderful life together, and uh, needless to say, the rest is history. Notice this, people come into our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Today, as we conclude, I wonder if you'd stand to your feet right now.